Welcome to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. My name is Fregel Byrne. Every week I speak to leading figures from the world of sustainability and explore the sustainability agenda in marketing and strategy, technology, innovation, investment and finance. We look at the latest thinking, what's working and the future and evolution of the sustainability agenda. Currently, uh, the energy system in, in Europe, and uh, not only it's, uh, uh, it's put in front of uh, challenging times there is a lot of there are a lot of changes which are forcing in the future we are transforming our energy system and of course for this we need new technologies new solutions and we need to see how the roles of each player in the energy system are going to be in the future we are speaking a lot of about renewables but we should also speak about how renewables are integrated in the energy system because currently we have a lot of offshore wind which is not integrated in the energy system it's curtailed so uh, we need to see how grid is going to cope with this and what are the flexibility solutions which the grid and the energy system is going to offer in order to be able to efficiently integrate in the energy system all the renewable energy that could be produced. I'm very pleased today to introduce Andrea Strakonescu. Andrea is head of the New Energy Technologies and Innovation Unit in the Directorate General for Energy at the European Commission, where she is responsible for the development of the policy and actions on non-nuclear energy research and innovation. Well, thank you very much, Andrea, for taking the time today to speak to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. And um, I'm always uh, delighted to speak about the work, about the, what are the challenges in Europe, I'll put it, not only for the sustainability, but also generally for the energy and climate. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's a very interesting time. Um, clearly for the sustainability and uh, many, many uh, initiatives and a lot of momentum, but also some, uh, maybe some other challenges on the horizon. Maybe can you tell me a little bit about your role at the DG Energy European Commission and what are some of the goals of your unit? Of course, I'm head of unit in charge with new energy technologies and innovation. So I'm dealing, I'm dealing with the research innovation for the energy system all technologies, all solutions, except the nuclear. Um, of course, that um, I consider a quite broad, interesting and challenging uh, job because uh, currently uh, the energy system in, in Europe, and not only it's, uh, uh, it's put in front of uh, cha challenging times, there, is a lot of, there are a lot of changes which are forcing in the future. We are transforming our energy system and of course for this, we need new technologies, new solutions, and we need to see how the roles of each player in the energy system are going to be in the future. Right. Very interesting. It's a very wide uh, scope of, of uh, your role and uh, very exciting, yeah. uh, covering so many different areas. What's at stake here? How important is the energy system uh, when it comes to uh, climate, climate emissions and climate change? And I know that there is, you know, there's talk of, of many different aspects. There's the, the, the energy efficiency, there's the energy consumption, there's the carbon intensity of the energy. Um, mm. At a very high level, what, how do you look at it in terms of where, what your, the priorities are in terms of looking forward with respect to the European energy system? Um, in fact, we have for uh, the future 
clear objectives um, in terms of uh, energy and climate. Um, short term, I may say, uh, there are the 2020 targets as agreed uh, in 2007. Then we have the 2030 uh, also energy and climate package, and we have the objectives also which are foreseen with a longer time perspective, 2050. Of course, that uh, considering that for 2020 we are aiming, speaking at uh, objectives at reducing the greenhouse gas emission by 20%, we have 40% looking at 2030 and 2050, we are arriving uh, at almost 90%. Of course, that energy system is going to play an important role uh, from uh, achieving these goals. But not only this, because you have, I may say, uh, uh, you have a full package, and these are going to, to be linked with the objectives which are fixed for the increase uh, role of um, renewable energy, of clean energy in the final energy consumption, but also the gains in terms of energy efficiency. So there are objectives which are set for, um, I will put 2020, I will put quite uh, short term, uh, 2030, 2050. Of course, that all of these are translated in um, action plans and also in strategies for research and innovation. We need research and innovation. And I will just uh, end, let's say, the, the survival of the policy not forgetting the fact that we had at the beginning of last year the Energy Union, which was launched, and there uh, these objectives are uh, again mentioned, and research innovation was for the first time acknowledged in terms of importance, and it's one of the fifth pillars of the Energy Union. We cannot transform the energy system without innovation, without doing things differently, and without also changing our behavior. That's very interesting. Thank you. Um, now, I, I know um, that uh, innovation is important and, and new technologies, new ideas. Has the energy system, would you say, have we been innovative recently? And how innovative would you say we've been? I mean, can you point to a couple of technologies yeah. that you think are significant um, and, and, you know, the impact that they might have? Yeah, in fact, renewables probably everybody is aware because we said we see them everywhere. Europe was uh, the front runner in terms of uh, uh, implementation of new technologies in the current energy system. Um, solar was the first, and PVs were probably was the first technology which which took off. Of course, that when you have uh, uh, when you have an appetite for a certain technology. Uh, of course, that in some other parts around the world, development of technology could, could also be pushed. So uh, today we have solar uh, on uh, several, uh, a lot of roofs in, in Europe. We have solars also in um, some uh, more, let's say, large uh, scale uh, power plants. Uh, and we have also, uh, for the future, a new way of thinking solar because we know very well in terms of production of uh, of PV panels, it's not Europe which is the front runner currently. Uh, a lot of developments are done in uh, Asia, China, namely, and and US. But Europe still has the advantage of the whole system where you have the solar panels and as well um, has the advantage of applications for, for solars as PV integrated in buildings 
And of course, the research is aiming now at the next generation of uh, of, uh, of uh, PVs. Uh, wind, offshore wind, it's still uh, coming strongly. Onshore, it's uh, it's widespread, and uh, in Europe, it's a technology which uh, um, I may say uh, uh, it's put uh, in some other countries where it's strongly. Uh, implemented on the same um, on the same level with with the classical ones. So probably solar PV, namely, especially and and onshore wind are the technologies which currently we can see that they compete with the classical generation. But there are still ones for which Europe still has to put some effort if we want to be competitive for the renewables. And here we have offshore wind. Probably it will be the next one to be able to compete with the classical generation, and um, Europe has also potential in in ocean energy. Uh, developments in this uh, in this field are quite important, and in some parts of the Europe, because of course renewables are dependent on the availability of resources. You may have concentrated solar power, and to see how also geothermal could find a place in the energy system, not only for the heat use, but also for the electricity. But probably this will come, I may say, geothermal for electricity, it will be among the latest which are going to, to come, uh, except in Iceland, it's a, it's a specific case. They yes. are blessed by God. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, and I've seen you know, solar energy in some emerging markets is, is half the price of coal-fired power. And you know, even cheaper than wind-driven projects, it's quite remarkable. I think the speed at which the costs have come down. Yeah. Um, so um, th these reductions in in costs. To what degree? How much of this is is the, the the cost falls are due to just increase in installations, just the vast growth, and how much of it's actually coming from innovation, or do you look at that question? Um, generally, we are looking because in terms of research and innovation, um, classical, I may say, uh, uh, PV and onshore wind, it's not considered an innovation um, anymore. So we are looking for offshore wind and all the technologies which I mentioned uh, previously. And offshore wind, uh, there are developments, I mean, um, within the strategy that we have for the energy technologies, which is strategic energy technology plan. Just to give an example, we are developing now the implementation plans based on objectives that we fixed for 2025, 2030, and we aimed for the offshore wind to uh, uh, arrive uh, at, uh, at a cost of uh, 70 euro per megawatt, but uh, not more than two weeks after we fixed the target, it was an announcement of uh, announcement of the pro of a project uh, which uh, will allow to deliver 29. So the developments on offshore wind are going quite fast, and uh, in fact, uh, probably here there will be challenges in order to come more and more in the energy system of tomorrow. Uh, what I would like to, to mention as well that uh, we are speaking a lot of our, about renewables, but we should also speak about how renewables are integrated in the energy system. Because currently we have a lot of offshore wind which is not integrated in the energy system, it's curtailed. So uh, we need to see how grid is going to cope with this and what are the flexibility solutions 
which the grid and the energy system is going to offer in order to be able to efficiently integrate in the energy system all the renewable energy that could be produced. Right. What's the challenge there? What needs to happen? Uh, it's, it's a rather different model, isn't it? There are different models. And in fact, um, at European Union level, we have an instrument, which is Horizon 2020, and we are supporting research projects. And um, we have projects for, for grids, for storage, but they are not looking at specific technologies or small, I may say, part of the grid of the storage. We try to see how the system at the distribution level, at the transmission level, and also connection uh, between the two of them, uh, it's going to cope with the renewables. So when you have a flexible, when you have a variable um, generation, as is the one which is uh, generated by renewables, you need to see how you are going to fill in um, the period when the energy is not properly produced, or how you are going to efficiently store uh, what is uh, what is produced more than the consumption at a certain moment. So you need to consider storage technologies, you need to consider demand response, and you need, of course, uh, this to happen at the level of transmission grid. Probably here the things are easier because uh, you don't have um, let's say the same density and multitude of actors at the level of distribution level. So challenges are going to be at the level of distribution level, of course, that these are going to have an impact at the level, at the higher level. But when you speak about more and more decentralized generation and decentralized uh, uh, renewable generation, you arrive at the solutions that have to be started to be implemented at the level probably of each house uh, and uh, to go forward and to have an efficient, an efficient system. I think it's a probably it's like um, um, it's not a puzzle. Uh, I think that it's building from an integrated home to an integrated building to an integrated district to an integrated city and then to an integrated energy system at the level of the country, regional level, and the goal that Energy Union fixed to be able to arrive at an integrated European energy system. Right, that's a, a great ambition. Um, do you think that um, the, uh, so this grid is, is quite interesting, uh, I think, and uh, I was reading somewhere about blockchain technology and its importance potentially in terms of, you know, uh, smart contracts and different ways in which, you know, the grid will operate, you know, in balancing supply and demand, yeah. which is not something, you know, um, and, and, and you talk about this decentralized distributed uh, kind of grid, which is probably really just emerging now. Um, of course, it's uh, it's uh, it's emerging, but currently we need probably to have more projects that are going to allow us to gain evidence. In fact, with Horizon 2020, we have for all the grid and storage projects we built an initiative and the projects are uh, requested specifically to the test of the call to put aside of the part of the budget in order to engage in a knowledge exchange. And based on the experience which is gained through the implementation of this project, we can see what is needed to be improved in terms of how exactly the current legislative environment is offering all the condu conditions 
needed to uh, to have this type of project. We are looking as well to see what is the consumer, the uh, end user engagement, because he has to be strongly engaged in order to be able all this to happen at the centralized level. Of course, it's a question of data. All the solutions are going to offer and probably enormous quantity of data, but there is a problem of uh, what, how these data are going to to be used, and uh, in, in a, of course in a, uh, using all the, the the norms and the standards for for security, and also to give benefits to the ones who are going to uh, uh, operate uh, operate the grid. So there is evidence which is coming from this project. And uh, of course, that uh, when they are going to be uh, finalized, it will be a source of evidence, a source of experience that we, of course, will work to see this further replicated. Right, right. That's very interesting. To what extent do you, does your uh, unit look at uh, questions around subsidies and things like that eventually? Because presumably there are, uh, this has a big impact on take up of different uh, renewable energy technologies. Not much, I may say. We are trying to look more how the technology and how the uh, innovation can change the energy system. Uh, it's not much about subsidies, but nevertheless, it's in a certain way addressed because in all the projects that we are supporting, one of the requests is to present a business model. Of yes. course, that a business model, you cannot present it with uh, plenty of subsidies or having only the grant which is going to be offered by, by our instrument. You need to see how this is going to, to function with contribution, financial contribution from different stakeholders. Uh, and for this reason, in fact, with this specific request, we are aiming the solutions to have the, to, to find their place naturally into the market and not to be supported through uh, instruments that will not probably facilitate uh, their further application. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I suppose, in a sense, if you look at a technology competing with another technology, the subsidies that are already there for you know uh, existing uh, non-renewable sources have a big impact on the you know pickup of these technologies in the market as well. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, um, of course. As I, as I said, we are trying to to put a question, not hinting directly uh, and mentioning these words, but asking uh, business models, and this is uh, valid for grids for storage, this is valid as well for the smart cities. It's mentioned clearly in the text of the call that each project has to present the business model and the replication plan. Uh, probably one of the challenges, especially that we see with these uh, new technologies, and especially the ones that we are supporting, um, it's the replication. When something needs to be further uh, extended, and all this innovation to be uh, widely spread. Uh, in fact, a lot of projects that uh, were supported uh, were not replicated, and this is a pity. So this is something that to be looked at and to find probably new tools in order to allow this. Right, that's very interesting. And I suppose that uh, the technology development is a global affair. To what extent do you think about questions like 
what is, I suppose, I mean, I don't know whether it's the right language, but, you know, yeah. Europe's natural competitive advantage in renewable energy. It's one of the goals of this uh, of this commission, and uh, its president, I mean, when uh, he started the mandate, he said clearly that uh, one objective is Europe number one in renewables. Now, with the proposal of the commission, which came out on the 30th of November, you have the revision of the renewables directive, and my colleagues from uh, from this side worked hardly on this. And in the same time, uh, I think that uh, this number one in renewables has to be developed not only in Europe, but also through international collaborations. Because at the end of the day, uh, I think that we are living in a quite globalized world, and uh, you have to see in what exactly you want to be number one. Uh, as I said previously in, in, in PVs, uh, as such, Europe is not number one in producing the modules for PV, but we can be number one in how the system and all the power electronics or inverters, everything around the PV and be competitive in a solution. We can be competitive in a solution which is integrates renewables in the system and offers solutions for flexibility. Um, and we have to find countries with which we are going to work together to towards the same uh, the same goal at international level and yes. uh, here there is an important commitment which was taken last year at uh, at cop 21 it was the launch of mission innovation um, here you have 22 members that committed to double the funding of republic funding in research and innovation for the next 5 years I think it's not research innovation for clean uh, for clean technologies. I think it's not uh, to be neglected. And if you have this pool of interest at, uh, at a world level, there are a lot of interesting developments that can be um, can be anticipated. And of course, it gives hopes for what can let's say the world can look uh, with a perspective of. Uh, um, not to um, not long period of time. So we are expecting to have uh, some changes with this commitment of uh, a quite important pool of countries to commit more funding on research innovation for clean energy. Right, right. That's very interesting because I know uh, I, I came across, I read a, a book by an uh, American academic on innovation, Amar Bede, and he talks about this question about um, whether or not you know uh, America is from an American perspective needs to be uh, number one in in innovation or what it means to to, to be innovating within America as against um, uh, using innovations so actually um, the development on top of the innovations so that that working closely with user groups and developing the ideas around that so as you're saying it's maybe not the PVs themselves, but in the applications and working closer, and that this turns out to be a very important part of where the innovation comes from, not necessarily the actual original technology uh, breakthrough, but more how it's applied and developed in particular contexts. I fully agree because, uh, uh, in fact, uh, you may innovation may be um, related to something which is locally, I may say, created, but innovation can be also the way in which you wisely use the solution and technology and you put everything together in something which uh, it's uh, more competitive, 
more efficient, most cost efficient. So it's not necessarily that a country has to be number one in everything, but you have to uh, also to look at the perspective on how you are able to integrate things in an in innovative way. And it's a question even when you speak about Europe number one in renewables. We have a lot of question marks in which for the next period of time is to be decided. We are going to be number one in patents. We are going to be number one in production. We are going to be number one in having in the energy system. So what exactly means being number one? There are a lot of questions uh, to be uh, to be tackled, but of course uh, I hope that with all the the measures that were recently announced, uh, and of course next year it will be probably a critical one because of the package which was put for the commission by the commission on the table, it has to be uh, discussed, agreed with the member states, and at the end we'll have probably more clarity in terms of what will be for Europe being number one in renewables. Right, right. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I suppose uh, recently there's been quite a regulatory drive, uh, certainly in the United States and elsewhere, um, about you know, it, it, when it comes to renewable energy. But it, it seems that uh, uh, the market is driving a lot of this uh, now as well. These these um, massive uh, cost uh, drops in cost uh, are really uh, fueling and uh, driving driving take up of renewable energies. Is that something you you see? continuing and i'm just wondering in the context of you know global regulation and certainly regu the regulatory environment in the united states may not be what it was um we could say um and uh how, how what impact do you see that having i think that uh development uh, uh, as you said already started in the united states and uh, there are sectors that they are producing, uh, they are contributed to, uh, to, to growth in, in uh, uh, so specific sectors that are contributing to growth where they are uh, uh, located. They are also hiring people, so you have also jobs which are created. So um, I think it will, it, it will continue. It doesn't matter who is going to, uh, let's say, what will be the, the the person in charge as long as the sector is uh, producing benefits for, for the economy and it's already quite well rooted, it will continue. So it's an effect that cannot cannot be stopped. And not to be forgotten that in the United States you have a different configuration of the energy system than in Europe. Uh, you have um, more role for the decentralized generation and renewables are very well fitted for uh, for for this. And uh, in fact, um, we are always looking, and we know very well that there are parts of the United States which are really very very forward looking. I'm speaking now uh, about uh, about uh, uh, the west west coast. You have California. You have all developments in the storage. Uh, I mean, in, even in Europe, we are looking a little bit what uh, what is going on. So I do not think that this could be stopped. So this uh, uh, this uh, we, we is going to continue for all the the benefits which I previously mentioned, not only for the sustainability goal, but also for the economic goals and what exactly they can offer to the economy. 
That's very interesting. I'm, I was speaking to someone recently who 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 took uh, the the Silicon Valley model. I was looking at that in comparison, and so much of the I guess the drive or the 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 the, the innovation that's come out of Silicon Valley has also been driven by uh, major cost falls in the you know, production costs of silicon, which is you know the the the, the doubling uh, the Moore's law and, and things like that. And he he was quite uh, less optimistic that there was. A, a similar driver when it came to renewable energy in the sense that, you know, silicon has some very specific properties and, you know, so much of the the uh, innovation and, and economic growth that has come on, on the back of that, uh, he was less uh, optimistic uh, about uh, renewable energy in, in, in that sense. Well, what, what do you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> um... You had costs which were uh, driven, I mean, they are already down for, for some renewable energy. And in the same time, you have um, um, several cities in uh, in United States that they are linked to uh, to an energy, um, energy generation, which is old, and they, they are in front of uh, some changes in front of them. So of course that it will be a cost-benefit analysis uh, for for them, but nevertheless, uh, I think that uh, I think that uh, renewables also uh, could could play a role, considering the fact that the costs are uh, quite down, especially as I said for uh, uh, for onshore wind, for uh, solar, and if you link. Uh, as well if storage is going to deliver strongly, uh, you can link with some storage solutions. And uh, the Americans are, uh, currently they are number one in stationary storage large-scale solutions. You may have interesting developments in U.S. as well. Thank you. Um, what about places like uh, Africa? And I know for example, there's been a lot of development in the area of off-grid electricity and so forth. And I'm wondering whether there's something similar there to the technological leapfrogging, I suppose, when uh, with mobile phones in Africa, that uh, that became a more pervasive, uh, you know, phone uh, media. To what extent can we see? Uh, should we expect to see? About, you know, new technologies coming out of Africa in that sense that we can, you know, use and, and, and integrate? Um, we are speaking a lot about Africa lately, of course. Uh, what exactly will be the developments in, uh, in, in this field? Uh, it's, uh, it's going to, uh, we have to look, to, to look at this. Um, of course, that you have a variety of countries. Uh, there, there is a part that uh, there is a need, um, and uh, Europe uh, is open to work and to support the development of the energy system. They have the chance to, uh, I may say, to uh, to build from zero in some other parts. But you have also uh, some countries which may have potential for for innovation. I don't have a specific question to, to your answer, but what I'm hearing lately and seeing around um, is coming quite strongly uh, in the latest discussion, and we'll see more developments around this. Excellent. What about smart cities? You spoke about them for a, a little a moment earlier. Um, yeah. How important are smart cities, and what's, what's, what's the important message here, Andrea? Um, we work on this, and in fact, it's an initiative which grow uh, also in this integrated perspective that I mentioned, because uh, 
we started um, and in several places around uh, around the commission uh, there were things which had happened at the transport level there were things which were happened at the energy level but uh, since 2014 we are uh, aiming to have an integrated um, vision and solution of the level of the cities. There are important because um, you are probably aware most of us we are living in cities. Uh, cities are responsible for a lot of the energy consumption, for uh, three quarters of the of the all the uh, pollution around us. And um, if we need to change our and we have to change the energy system, a lot of changes are going to happen in cities. Uh, there is a concentration, as, as I said, of the energy consumption, but there is also a concentration which will allow interesting synergies to be developed. Each city has an industrial area, has a residential area, and in fact, with what we are asking, we are asking that more synergies to be created between these areas. There is, um, and we have a very interesting project, in fact, pro we have very interesting projects, and one of these, which is coming, in fact, not from Horizon 2020, but for the previous one, it's quite, quite interesting, uh, because it's, it looks at heat recuperation solutions in different cities. So in London, you have a project that is aiming to recuperate the heat from, from, from the metro, from the from from underground and to be further used for uh, for uh, different purposes heating uh, as well so you have solutions like this which are developed in different parts of the of the Europe and then there will be a roadmap these solutions to be further implemented they they are aiming of having more than 100 cities that will be committed to implement this. Currently, they arrive at 70 already. So uh, Celsius is the name of the project. I always speak about with pleasure about this. So uh, they are going to play an important role. So if we are going to change our cities, um, probably we'll change um, three quarters of what we need to change in, in, in the energy system. But to change the cities, in an efficient way, and I think probably the most difficult that we saw is to put everybody to work together. Usually the transport department is working not always in collaboration with people from energy or people that are dealing with the communication, and there are a lot of synergies to be created as well in the way that uh, the administration is working, how the projects are developed, and not to be forgotten, at the end, people living in cities, they need to take ownership of the solutions. They need to be consulted, they need to be involved. If not, it's difficult to change something. So this is quite valid, I think, at the end, if we are extrapolating to everything that we want to change around. We need to take ownership of, the, of this change and to believe that this is going to happen and our life will be better with this. Are, are we get making progress there, or, or do you think people are more involved, have a better understanding of of the implications living in cities and the the way in which we all fit into this bigger picture? In fact, with the projects that we are supporting, uh, we are aiming at this, and we have requests, and the projects are aiming at the citizens' engagement. So these plans are going to be discussed with uh, people living in these cities 
and are going to receive their, their input. I think that when you are, I may say, um, in the middle of a transformation like this and you see what are the benefits, um, normally um, the the impact uh, could be only uh, could be only positive, and we know very well that at the end it's uh, based on the own experience, is based on what people living around us are are sharing. So probably multiplying the good experiences, the good projects will support these uh, these changes. Great, great. Looking at the company side of things, Andrea, uh, to what extent are they the innovations coming from large established players, and to what extent are you seeing you know startups and new companies bringing ideas uh, and innovations to the market, and how do you see that in the future? It's happening from all over the places. In fact, uh, and I'm coming back at the, the instrument and the project we are supporting. So just to give you roughly a number, in our project, more than 30%, around 48 there are SMEs. So you have them in the project. And uh, we have also um, initiatives working with, with startups. And uh, I cannot say that the big names are not interested in innovation. They have, uh, in fact, a strong budget and they are committed. Innovation is coming from all over, I may say. You have just to probably to give a line and to mention to people what exactly is the vision in order to allow them, of course, to see to what exactly they may try to, to look at and to come up with solutions. So we have a strong involvement of, of small enterprises as well. And as I said, I see a lot of very interesting ideas coming from startups. So uh, I, I cannot say that it's a sector in which we are lacking uh, the diversity in terms of size uh, uh, of solutions coming from all the players around. That's interesting. Yes. Um, and, and just looking forward then, um, what, what do you think the next year, two years, clearly critical time and uh, tremendous momentum uh, that's built up. Did uh, COP, the most recent COP, did that build yeah. on, on COP21? Did, do you think there was substantial progress made there? And can you just briefly maybe uh, say what you took away from that in terms of the renewable energy side of things? No, I think the discussion uh, continued. And in fact, um, um, first of all, uh, you see that... Uh, it's it's an interest at international level to uh, to continue to to build this. Uh, next year we are going to move, uh, and uh, you know that uh, uh, the twenty third session of the uh, of the conference, uh, the COP twenty three, will be um, will be uh, organized by by Fiji. We are looking a little bit at the involvement of all, um, I say, parts of the of the world. Uh, and, uh, in fact, um, involvement of different, uh, different countries and parties, um, I think it's going to, uh, to continue. Uh, of course, that it will, uh, for the European Union, as I said, it will be a year that we are aiming to advance in the uh, in the discussion with with the member states so uh, if this is going to to happen quite quite quickly uh, there will be achievements that could be uh, could be announced for uh, for uh, for cop but uh, i think it's it's moving in, in in this direction because as i said at the end of the day 
you have to see everything link. It's not only about sustainability, but it's also about the benefits of this sustainability for the general economic situation of uh, of um, of a country and at the end for the whole world. You have to put in the global equation everything. Are you optimistic, Andrea? I, uh, if not, we cannot work. No, we cannot advance. So I think that uh, I'm. It's not only optimist. Uh, it's also I'm quite realistic because uh, usually in the work and especially with research, you need to see concrete, realistic results. But we need to keep to be uh, ambitious. If uh, ambitious is optimist. Yes. There are the two of them. Yes, yes. And a final question maybe, and one of I should have asked earlier. Yeah. Talk about research and innovation. Um, can you talk about the relative importance of each? What, where is the focus in terms of the research side of things? Maybe talked about a little bit less. And how important is that? I mean that we are concentrating on the whole innovation chain. And... Um, probably we need to put more focus on innovation. Because as I said previously, there are a lot of very good things that are demonstrated in terms of research, but you cannot see the, you cannot see coming them into the market. So there is the push of, uh, of uh, let's say, research results to the market. Uh, and here we are having instruments. Uh, we are supporting um, projects for renewables, for grids to cross that um, valley of debt. It's a point that you need to do the, 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 the step to arrive at the commercial installation. And uh, it's very difficult to, to have a loan because usually banks, they are not financing this type of, of risk. For them, research is something that uh, it's not uh, easily to, to, to step in. So uh, we are trying to, uh, let's say, to push to the market the solutions that prove to be uh, to be very interesting from the research. The most difficult is, as I said, to arrive at the commercial solutions once you have the pre-commercial, the pilot demonstration, the pre-commercial also validated. So this is probably something that it's not only at European Union level, but also there are things that can be done at regional level collaboration among member states, and also on national level. So more effort to be put uh, in, in this. Right. And a, a final question then ties into that is in terms of the availability of capital, the eye-watering sums of money involved and uh, projections to meet you know, uh, sustainability targets and COP21 and um, investment in infrastructure. How, where is that money coming from and, and how would you characterize the fin financing environment at the moment? for renewable energies in Europe? Um, what could I say? So, um, for, I mean, at European level, as I said, okay, it's easier, we have the budget. But um, with the commitment of, uh, as I said, okay, first of all, you have mission innovation, you have already the countries, uh, nine European countries that committed to do this. So when you have a doubling of the public spending in research and innovation, there'll be a source of funding. Nevertheless, at the end, could be different type of financing that could be, uh, there is a venture capital that can be used. Uh, there are different type of, of financing. And I think that uh, for this, you need more and more private capital. 
uh, investments in renewables they are happening where uh, of course there are there are market opportunities and they are offering uh, a solution that can compete with uh, with with classical generation there are um, there are parts of Europe which there are a little bit uh, probably uh, put on hold, and this is something to be more debated. I think that uh, also at the level of uh, of, uh, of countries there are discussions to be considered, and uh, because you are mentioning this, probably one of the cases uh, that um, uh, and probably you are aware it's UK. Uh, UK started um, with a lot of investment and support for offshore wind, but now we are seeing a little bit uh, a change, and the um, low carbon it's considered uh, to be addressed by conventional generation, uh, namely nuclear. So there is still a competition in some parts of Europe, probably. From the capital, as I said, you have to see how we are going to uh, to to use uh, different uh, instruments that can support and can um, can support this type of project. But you need probably to discuss more as well about regional collaboration in order to be better to let's say to push to allow renewables to offer a solution solution for. Um, not only at the level of the country, but at the level of the of maybe of of, of a region. So uh, probably countries should not see uh, see themselves only one piece in the puzzle, but maybe should think more in terms of regional collaboration. So financing and regional collaboration more in order to allow this happening. Fascinating. Fascinating. A, a, a lot, a lot to do, a lot at stake, uh, and a lot of momentum and uh, a, a great vision. And thank you so much, Andrea, for taking the time today to speak to the sustainability agenda. That's been a very rich and formative discussion. And uh, I wish you very best with uh, the ambitions uh, over the next years. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I hope that we'll see changes happening around us for the benefit of everybody. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sustainability Agenda podcast. I hope you found it interesting. Please sign up at the sustainabilityagenda.com website or on iTunes to make sure you don't miss any future episodes.